February is Black History Month, and there's lots of history in our town of Grand Prairie. I spent a couple hours on the phone with Angela Lecky, the president of the Grand Prairie chapter of the NAACP, who will most certainly be a guest on the show, hopefully sooner rather than later. But she and I talked about people that I should spotlight for the month of February. One of the people that she brought up was someone I knew nothing about, her distant relative, Mose Jordan. Mose was the first black Grand Prairian and the first freed slave in Grand Prairie. You should be able to see his picture on the profile of this episode. And I didn't even know his story as a person that grew up in this town. So I'm going to do my best to spotlight this very important person from our history. Angela has got some really great records that I hope she shares with me with information about him and other historical figures. So right now I'm relying on research from the internet and facts she gave me in our conversation. So I hope that I do this story justice. Angela is also going to be the guest speaker at the Grand Prairie Historical Organization Museum on February 20th at 1130 to talk about her experience of growing up in Dalworth. Everyone is invited and tickets are $10. Your ticket includes a barbecue sandwich from Gordo's Barbecue, and you can register by emailing rsvp at grandprairiehistorical.org. The following is an article written by Tom Sweeney, a writer from the Grand Prairie Daily News from August 12, 1977. It's a four-part series he did on the black history of Grand Prairie. He starts this article by saying that it is by no means meant to be the definitive, all-inclusive story, and I'll preface this episode the same way. My hope is to work with Angela and other African-American historians, as well as the Grand Prairie Historical Organization, to get his biography as complete as it can be so that Grand Prairians moving forward will know the full history of the Black community in Grand Prairie from the time that it started. When David and Alexander Jordan moved their families to what is now Grand Prairie in 1859, they brought with them more than the regular collection of horses, mules, and wagons. They brought 12 slaves with them from Tennessee, the first slaves known to have settled in present-day Grand Prairie. The oldest slave was a 65-year-old female, and the youngest was a 5-year-old black male, according to the August 22, 1860 decennial slave schedule. Slaves were considered better than horses, so they were not listed in the agricultural census. They were below citizens, though, so they were not included in the regular census. The result was the slave schedule, a tally sheet of human bondage. One of Jordan's slaves was nondescriptly listed as 15 male black. He was actually 18 and would appear on consensus after the Civil War as Mose Jordan Farmer. Before this could take place, though, a house had to be built. Using slave labor, David Jordan built the present Jordan Bulls home at 705 Northeast 28th Street. Slaves chopped and cut timber from the nearby Trinity River for the ranch home. They also built two slave houses as they are described on tax rolls at the time. After the Civil War, local historians have noted that Jordan divided 50 acres of land between nine slaves that he had in 1865. Tax rolls do not show their names after the war, however, indicating that they sharecropped the land. Tax rolls showed he had good reason to treat his slaves kindly. Of his assessed worth of almost $12,000 in 1862, his 10 slaves were valued at $5,000. 
Jordan's 24 horses were worth only $1,800. The area the ex-slaves settled was quickly named Freetown. Houses were aligned along Lakeview Drive. At the time, this stretch of road was known as Freetown Road. Since the houses were built in a line, the settlement became known as the line. Benevolent sharecropping is not heard about often. The line was a different story. After David died in 1871, the land at the line was sold numerous times. Most continued to prosper, as did the town. Although there was no store and supplies had to be brought into Grand Prairie, the Antioch Baptist Church was established near Mountain Creek in the 1880s, and the Masonic Live Stone Lodge Number 152 was also active in the town. A public school was built near the church in 1904. In 1886, Mose had made enough money to buy 125 acres of land. He paid $905 cash for land now bounded by State Highway 1382, Warrior Trail, Corn Valley Road, and Lakeview Drive. He was a farmer and a very nice old man, said Estella Trigg. Trigg's sister was married to Mose's son, Mose Jordan Jr., he was a short, genial man, said Sheridan Talley, a Dalworth resident who remembers Mr. Mose would ride into Dalworth with his team. Mose farmed the land until he died on January 1st, 1941. He was 99 years old. His estate was valued at $12,500. One old horse and one old mule were worth $20. One double disc plow, one disc harrow, one cultivator, and one stock cutter were worth $25, according to the tax assessor. Land in Dallas was worth $1,300, and the 125-acre farm at the line was worth $11,160. During his lifetime, he was regarded as the best wheat farmer in the area, and white farmers would come from miles around to ask him questions, one historian said. He was also one of the area's chief hog producers. He is buried in Antioch Cemetery in an unmarked grave. The cemetery, part of the 1855 land grant from then-Governor E.M. Pease, is now referred to as the American Memorial Cemetery and is the resting place of many former slaves. The homestead was sold by Mose Jr. in 1948. Many of the line's former residents, such as the Hills and the Tallies, had moved to another section of Grand Prairie known as Dalworth. With the coming of Hensley Field and North American, the forerunner to LTV, many blacks sold their land to developers, moved to Dalworth, and the line faded from reality into the musty confines of record building and That article was written in 1977, so there are still parts of it that are not updated or complete. But as I said before, it's something that I hope to help find more about to make his biography as complete as it can be. I hope to not make this podcast a commentary on my own personal opinions and beliefs. However, I will say this. Reading this article in some parts was very difficult for me. Sometimes the history of our towns isn't always what we're proud to tell, but nonetheless, it's history and it deserves to be told. Even though it's the history of our towns, it's not always our own personal history. And Angela helped me to see that. She explained, it's just what happened but we can honor it by telling it as accurately as possible, respecting the family and people for whom it affects, and by acknowledging it. Sometimes that's all it takes, simply making the history of a person important enough to acknowledge and respect. One thing that was hard for me was that Mose Jordan was not even his real name. 
His real name, which is unknown unless we pull census records from Tennessee from where he came from that actually have him listed, will never be known. Something else I found interesting is that as a black freed slave in the 1800s, he owned 125 acres of land in an area where the founder, A.M. Deckman, purchased 239 acres that was later named Grand Prairie. Jordan's land was valued later at over $11,000, and he had other property worth money as well. And the slave owner who brought him, when he came, had property only worth $12,000, which included Moe's. All of this together makes Moe's a very important part of the tapestry of Grand Prairie and a very important face of Grand Prairie. To find out more about the Grand Prairie chapter of the NAACP, or to find out how you can get involved with this nonprofit organization, you can find them on Facebook by searching Grand Prairie NAACP or calling 469-644-8209.